many things up here. Good morning. And good morning, those of you that are at home. I think a lot of the familiar faces that I would look forward to seeing today that you're there. So I'm glad you get to see my face and I'll get to see your face eventually as we get to meet maybe for coffee or something. It's so good to see all of these fresh new faces because today what I want to talk about is the new thing that God is doing in our world and in our earth. So I am Pastor Cindy Riley. I'm a planting pastor at a brand new church plant in Swannanoa, North Carolina. That happens to be my hometown where I grew up. I went to high school, a town of 4,000 people that has gone through a lot of devastating loss over the last 10, 15 years. Lost their main source of income when a manufacturing plant closed, was burned to the ground, and then raised and cleared. So almost no income in the town and no banks are in the town anymore. Small businesses closed down. So a town in need of hope. The town is the town that I used to live in and have now gone back to plant a church. So that name, Swannanoa, just to give you a little bit of perspective, in North Carolina, the Cherokee Indian are the um, ancestors of our land, the ones who were first on the land. And we try to honor those who were first on the land that we get to live on and play on and experience life on. And so they have named that town Swannanoa in honor of the Cherokee Indian. And this word means beautiful river. There's a river that runs through town. And so I just think that's a great way to, to honor the people who went before us, naming the town after, that, after them. And um, I want to talk to you today because uh, God keeps switching things around in my mind. I don't know if you ever have this, when God gives you insights and he gives you thoughts and you got to kind of, I, I guess call, it's called call an audible on the play. So I might be, feel like, the slides might go back and forth a little bit, so Karen, hang with me. Um, my word for this year is behold. And I didn't until I was just sitting right there realize why that word is so powerful for me. The word behold means, and Karen, if we can pull that slide up, can you see that? There's all the Greek and the Hebrew, if you're interested in that kind of thing, and it's in the Bible 1134 times. But it means to perceive through sight, or to attain awareness or understanding through your senses. And when we see this in Scripture, God, or the prophet who's speaking, or the angel who has come is saying, listen, look, pay attention. I want you to get this. Well, this message I'm going to share with you today, I think God has trying, been trying to get my attention for my lifetime. And hopefully there might be something that you hear today that in your lifetime, God's been trying to get your attention, trying to get you to hear, trying to get you to understand about him, about you, who you're created to be. So that's how I hope we'll walk away today with a fresh new understanding of who our God is and who we are. So our title of our message today is Behold, I am doing a new thing. When I walk in this room, I see a new thing, but I also see a lot of an old thing. I see what Wellspring was when I left, which was beautiful and wonderful, and I see Wellspring where it is now with all this new life and all these new faces and this new side of the building and all this new equipment. God is doing a new thing, and it gives me chicken skin to think about all the new things He's doing in your hearts and in your lives and in our lives in Swannanoa. The very first time we hear the word behold in Scripture is when God says, after he's created everything, he's created all of the plants, all of the, the wildlife, all of the beautiful things of creation. 
And then he says in Genesis 1:31, "And God saw all He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day." He said, "Behold, it is very good." We've all read that scripture, heard that God said it was very good when He created Earth, when He created everything that was there. The last thing He created was human beings. He created us. And he looked at us, and he said, "Oh, this is good. This is good. Sit with that for a minute." God looked at you at the beginning of creation. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by history the way we see it. God is beyond all of that, and he says that you are good. And he doesn't just say, "Oh, you're good." Think about something you've really enjoyed in life, like if you're a landscaper and you've cleared a, a yard and and or. I think you call it what do you, you call it a yard here, right? So we call it North Carolina: lanai, porch, yard, all these different words. You've you've cleaned your yard and you've made it look just beautiful, and you're like, "Oh, this is good. This is good. I've done good work." And then sometimes we say this is good, and it's someone else's work. My brand new husband Dennis is in the back. I was not married when I was here before. Everybody say hi to Dennis, looking handsome in his new Aloha shirt.、Um, we went on our a short honeymoon in North Carolina. We got married during COVID. On Zoom, our daughters all over the country, grandchildren all over the country. We have four daughters between the four of us. We got married on Zoom, and then we went to this local resort to spend a couple of nights up in the mountains of North Carolina. And it was Valentine's Day. Why not get married on Valentine's Day, right? So we got married on Valentine's Day, and we had this meal that was set just for Valentine's Day. We just got married. We're happy. All the giddiness that comes from getting married, and we had this simple ceremony. We're happy to see our kids and our grandchildren, and and then we're in this beautiful place. And they they put this meal before us, and every bite, every bite, we're like, oh, this is good. This,、uh, this is good. And then we'd take another bite. Oh, it was it was it was、uh, beef. What how you say it? Beef Wellington, and it was as As tender and as smooth as butter, so you bite into it like, oh, this is good. That is what God said about us when He created us. This is good. We were the epitome of His creation. But sometime over the years, we forgot that. We forgot that the God of the universe looked at us and said, "You are good." We've lived through difficult times. Sin entered the world. And then Adam and Eve, their view of God, their view of creation, even, and their view of themselves, was now less than good. It was distorted, it was twisted. They began to want things that weren't God's best for them, and we have carried that legacy throughout the generations, throughout the Bible, and into our lives now. The children of Israel wandered in the desert for forty years, trying to find their way back to who they were as the children of God, to the Promised Land. Worshiping the one true God and and building this family and God's trying to help them see even then, you are good. You're my people. You're good. You're good. Let's find a way for you to be good with me. And then in the middle of the Old Testament, there's this prophet named Isaiah. He begins telling the people of Israel about this new thing that God is going to do. God's created the earth. It's all good. People are good. Trying to find their way back to God, and he's telling them about this new thing. Karen, if we can pull up that scripture from Isaiah, Isaiah forty-three fifteen through nineteen, I am the Lord, 
your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings out the chariot and the horse, the army, and the mighty man, I think is what that say, it says. They will, be, they will lie down together and not rise again. They will be extinguished. They have been extinguished and have gone out like a wick. Do not call to mind the former things or consider the things of the past. He's reminding Israel of what God has done for them, how he's brought them through, how he's helped them grow and to be a united people, a united people in a new land. But they lived under persecution. They lived under exile. They lived under harsh governments. They were mistreated. They were made slaves. All of these things that happened in their past, they had forgotten who they were. They had forgotten that they were the epitome of God's creation. There are times in our lives when we forget that we are the epitome of God's creation, that we are good. In our essence, we are good. But bad things happen to us. And sometimes we do bad things or we do what's not God's best. And it brings consequences into our lives. And we forget that we're good. We forget that God is a good father. We forget that God is a good God. My own story of forgetting that and then remembering the goodness of God and who I am in him. There's always a new story, always a new thing of how God is teaching me this. But shortly after I moved back to North Carolina, I lived here in Hawaii for 16 years. I was here at Wellspring most of that time, went through a difficult divorce during the time that I was here, felt like my life was shattered. But God picked me up at what I felt like was the gate of his kingdom. And he brought me in and he nursed me back to health through relationships here and relationships with family and help. And he brought me back to wellness, to wholeness that Rebecca was praying about earlier, that wholeness and that shalom. But even with that wellness and that shalom that I was growing into, I still felt the sense of I was on the outside looking in, like I was trying to be what I was supposed to be. I was trying to be the Cindy that God created, but I wasn't quite there yet. And then on Father's Day, right before we left, Adele taught the halal, and they were gracious to let me come with my two left feet and be a part of the halal for a while. And we did this song, When God Ran, that good, good father. And the lyrics in that song talk about a time when the son was far away from the father. And he felt ashamed, and he felt lost. And when I moved back to North Carolina, there was this sense of moving back home, of coming back home. I didn't leave because of bad circumstances. I left because I was married to a military man at the time, and it was time to move to a duty station. We were very young with a young family, and it was time to move. But as I'm, I, I go back home, I'm not necessarily a prodigal daughter because I, I didn't run away to squander my family's inheritance, which we don't really have. There was nothing to squander, but I didn't run away to squander what God had given me. But he showed me through a series of events, that song, when we did that, that part where he scoops down and he holds us close and he looks into our face and tears roll down his face and he says, my child has come home. The day we did that song, I thought, my child has come home. I felt like God was saying to me, my child has come home. But I didn't know I had left. So it left this question in my mind. God, where did I go? When did I leave? What did I do? What happened? So I'm driving down the road one day 
in North Carolina at this time, not planting a church. I'm helping my mom through a, a series of illness and recovering from a heart attack and just a difficult time for her, praying about what God wants next for me in my life. And I discovered this new song from a local artist called Home. Nowhere in there does she use any scripture. Nowhere in there does she talk about a prodigal anything. But she tells the story of a prodigal returning home. I'm like, there it is again. Home. I'm home. But I knew it wasn't about the physical home. So I kept praying and I kept saying, God, what is this? What is, what is, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to understand? Wasn't getting answers for a long time. And then one day I'm driving down the road and this memory that I'm standing outside of looking in, I don't know if you ever do that. You remember something and it's like you're on the periphery seeing yourself in this memory. I'm sitting on the stoop of my family's home I had just got my acceptance letter to the local university, but I am not excited. I'm not happy. I'm sad. I feel disappointed because as a young woman, I got pregnant out of wedlock and I was now getting ready to marry the man that was the father of the baby and that was the thing I felt like I needed to do. And because of that, I'm sitting on these steps and I'm thinking, well, I can't ever go to college because I'll have kids to raise. I won't be able to do both. That's just too much. I can't handle it. I'm thinking about everything that's going to go wrong in my life because of this, this poor choice I made. This unfaithfulness to God is what I felt, like I had been unfaithful to Him and the way I had lived my life. And so I'm sitting there on the step, and my mom is telling me, no, you can still go to college. I believe in you. You can do this. We can help with the baby. You've got all you need. You can do this. And I, at that time on the steps, sat there and thought, nope, I can't do this. I got, I got to make this right. I got to get it right. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make it work. I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm going to get married. I'm going to do all the right things. I'm going to raise my children in church. We're going to be a Christian family. We're going to go to church. We're going to do everything right. And I'm going to, I'm going to make this right with God. That was my perspective. I'm going to make it right with God. And I went through almost 30 years of trying to make it right with God. And he patiently walks with me and he's trying to tell me, Cindy, you are right with me. You are right with me. You are good. So when I saw that memory that day, he's, God is standing with me looking at this memory and says, that's when you ran away from home. That's when you ran away from me. You left me out. You didn't let me help you. You didn't let me be a part of this journey you were on. You left me out. So you turned away. And over time, a little turn means a lot. And I felt God saying to me that day, and as I'm remembering that, he's saying, it wasn't about getting it right. It was about being right with me. And you are right with me. It wasn't about you having to be good. It's about the fact that you are good, Cindy, and because you're good, I come and I scoop you up and you're home with me. That was my kind of prodigal journey, and we sung about that this morning. Thank you for those songs, worship team, that you chose. They're so perfect for what we're talking about today. God gave me a new perspective. He adjusted my, my vision of what it means to be his daughter. And then I began hearing him say, behold, you're good reading all these scriptures, behold, I do a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's now, I didn't have a bad life for 30 years. I had a pretty good life. I got to do a lot of things. I had a great relationship with God. I got called to pastoring. I got called, I mean, God's doing wonderful things. He continues to do wonderful good things. But there's this new tweak. 
I do it from a perspective of I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove that I'm God's daughter. I don't have to prove that I'm good. I don't have to prove that he's called me. I have to live that call, but I don't have to prove it. God does all of that. And what a great shift in perspective that's been for me to remember and to behold that I'm good, that you are good. And maybe there's something in your life where you feel like, oh, maybe there is where I went off just a little bit and I quit trusting God to guide me and direct me and to, to lead me to where he wants me to be. Before I, when I was living here before, I couldn't see very well. So like if I looked back at the, the sound team, I couldn't see any of, any of their facial features. And I would go to eye doctors and, and they would try to help me out and like, no, can't see anything wrong. You just have the normal aging, give you some reading glasses, you'll be fine. And I still couldn't see. So it's nice that I can see all of you on the back row and I can see your faces. You're not just blurs. And I kept going to doctors and kept going to doctors. And it was very frustrating for me because I felt like I should be able to see. I had seen perfectly up until that point. Move back to North Carolina, go to the doctor, and he goes, well, of course you can't see. You've got the, the vision of a 90-year-old in this eye and the vision of a 60-year-old in this eye. And I'm like, okay, I don't know why no one else had seen it. And I had developed cataracts fairly young in my life. And I, so we, we had one surgery pre-COVID, took the one lens out, which is what you do when you have cataracts. They replace, put a brand new lens in. And I could see things I hadn't seen in years. I could see the definition of the leaves on the trees. I could see the definition of the, the basketball court way across the ridge that was on someone else's lawn that I couldn't see before. And then after COVID, I got another lens replaced for the other eye. And I could see, now before I got those lenses replaced, even the light hurt. Even the things we welcome that help us see hurt because I needed a new lens for, through which to see things through. And that's what God's doing when he says, behold, I do a new thing. He's giving us a new lens. Didn't COVID give us a new lens to look at things through? Change our perspective of what's important to us? Change our perspective of how to do life? So even in those difficult times, he's giving us a new lens through which to see life, through which to see church and how church is in this year, in this time period, how to live life together, how to be friends, how to be family. He gives us a new vision a new way of doing things. He's always doing a new thing. So when Isaiah was talking and saying, behold, I'm going to do a new thing, I think we all know what the new thing is. What's the new thing that God was going to do for the people of Israel? Send in Jesus. That is the new thing. Where they no longer had to work so hard to be the people of God. They had a Savior that was going to come and set things right, set them free from all that had held them back. The Savior would come and take care of that. But before the Savior could move on into his own ministry even, Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, before he could move forward, he had to have an experience where he was tempted, a little like I was because he's Jesus and I'm not. He was tempted to doubt who he was, tempted to doubt his call. Remember the story he had 40 days in the wilderness that the Holy Spirit called him to and he battled with the enemy. And the enemy said, oh, throw yourself off this, off this mountain. The angels will catch you. And then Jesus responded with the word of God and said, no, I will not do that. And then he said, he told him to turn the stones into bread. Feed yourself. You've got all this power. Use your power. And Jesus is like, mm, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm not going to use my power like that. The word of God is my bread. And Satan tempted him with three different temptations. But Jesus came through. 
He remembered who he was. So when we go through difficult times, when we go through temptations, which are either temptations to do things we shouldn't do or temptations that are caused by the difficulties of life, Jesus is there with us, helping us see who we are, that we are good. Anything that's telling us we're other than God's good children and his children that he loves is not of him. So he's always there telling us that, guiding us, bringing us that new life. And just after he was in that desert, he comes on the scene and he reads another passage from Isaiah. I won't go through the whole thing, but right in the middle of it, it's a, it's a, it's a quote from Isaiah that says, I'll restore sight to the blind. Now for a girl who had just gone through this, this experience of God reminding me who I am, that I'm good and that I was always good and I had been trying too hard and I had made life too hard for myself and that I could just walk alongside him and it would all be good if I, I didn't have to be on the outside looking in to see that he was going to restore my sight. And he had restored my sight with this, this surgery that I had to re replace these lenses in my eyes. Those were physical things he does, but he's always working in each of our lives to restore our sight, to fine tune, to bring us to see things more clearly to show us how much he loves us, to show us that our place in the story of the prodigal son that we sung about earlier in the father running, whether we're the son that's run off and we've squandered everything or we're the son that stayed home and it's just felt like they're on the outside looking in or we see ourselves in both parts of that story. God's doing a new thing. He's running to you. Have you thought about that? He's running to you. So when I was sitting on the porch 30 some 40 some years ago, I was sitting on the porch, and I, at that moment, when I kind of turned and started doing things on my own, the father was looking at me. He was looking for me. He was like, oh, Cindy, Cindy, it doesn't have to be that way. And he waited, and he waited, and he worked in my life. He, he brought people into my life to tell me how much he loved me, and he waited, and he waited. And then that day when I'm driving down the road and he gives me an insight, I'm like, oh, that's when I ran away. And I just made this slight adjustment. Oh, God, I never had to run away. You were always there for me. You always loved me. He ran to me. He didn't start running in that moment. He started running way back at the beginning of time. He started running. He's always running to us, always coming to us, always reaching out for us, reminding us you are good. I do a new thing. Whatever's in your past, don't live there. Let me use the past to shape who you are now and to help you grow and to, to heal you from hurts and from pains, but don't live there. Live now. I'm doing a new thing. And you know what? Since that day, that small moment, driving down the road and having this epiphany, so many new things in my life. I already knew Dennis when I had the epiphany, but oh, I can receive his love so much easier because I know God loves me. And that because God loves me, it's okay for, for oops, I almost said the past husband's name. We won't do that. <laughs> we don't, even when Dennis messes up, he never blows it. When he gets it a little wrong every once in a while, it's okay because God loves me. And when I get it wrong, it's okay because God loves us and he's going to help us find our way back as long as we're looking for our father coming running for, my, for, for us and we don't get stuck in that moment that we allow him to tweak and tweak and tweak and bring us back home.
So I have a couple of things, a couple of points I want to share with you and then share a little bit more about our church in Swannanoa because this church was really born from this whole idea that we're good and we start good and so many of us forget that we're good. So we're going to move down. I'm trying to be mindful of the, the bathroom situation. We had our own bathroom situation recently. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a little bit as a church. But God is working to help restore our sight, adjusting and transforming us. Behold, I do a new thing. He's adjusting our sight so we can see the new thing he's doing and we can join him and we can participate in what he's doing. But it doesn't just happen. We need to live close to the Father and learn from him how to love and how to grow. Our vision for New Beacon, our church in Swannanoa, is to love everybody everywhere the way Jesus does. Not sure we know quite how to do that all the time. We're still learning and we're growing. But that's our vision, is to love everybody everywhere the way Jesus does, so that all people can experience his grace and his mercy. And the only way we need to do that is through prayer. So we've started our church with a, a strong team of prayer warriors, we call them. We have a small team that pray, for, pray with us every other week. And we have a larger team on Facebook and really across the world that join us on Facebook. And, and we send newsletters to that pray for us. And we'll be inviting you to be a part of that if you want to be um, later on in our service today. But I want to get to these points of sharing with you what I think is the main thrust of what God wants to say to us today. And speaking of new things, reading my sermon on a telephone is a little different because I used to have to have printed out large print so I could see it. And now I can actually see it on my phone. So we're going to go here. Karen, can you take the slides to the two where I have the blank fill ins, the first one? So my life is made new and the lives of others are, are impacted when through Christ, my distorted view, which is the view that we have because we live in a broken world, the view that we have because sin entered our life in some way or another, our distorted view of who God is and who we are, when through Christ, my distorted and contorted, contorted is a little more extreme than distort. Contort is twisted violently, twisted from some outside force. So when we've experienced trauma, We've experienced loss that was so unexpected it felt traumatic. Or we ourselves have been abused. We've been bullied in school. Something from the outside starts to twist our view of who we are and who God is. We've been, our view has been distorted by Satan and him just you know, throwing, keeping this world such a messy place and then contorted. So through Christ, when my distorted and contorted understanding of God and myself, it's brought into proportion by the Father's love. The distortion and the contortion are brought into proportion by the Father's love. That's the only way our view can be shifted, is through his love that is unending, that has no strings attached, that can look at a 17-year-old girl sitting on the porch of her family's home, feeling like she had to fix her life and say, no, you don't. I've got you. I've got you. I love you. That's the Father's love. The Father's love is the one that started running at the beginning of time to bring us closer to Him and gave us Jesus so that we could be closer to Him and have a relationship with Him. And then He continues to call to us through our, through our prayers, through our thoughts, through the songs we sing, through our times together, and to shape us with His love. So where in your life 
If you can't think of it today, maybe this week, recently in your past, has your view of yourself or your view of God just gotten a little off focus? What distortion has the enemy brought into your life to make you think that you're less than what you are or that you can never be better and you can never heal, you can never grow? Or what contortion did you experience in your life that you're seeking healing for, that you'd like for God to help you with? And maybe you don't quite know what that is, but you're seeking it. We want to open our hearts for God to bring his love and bring all of that back into proportion. And we in Swananoa at our church called New Beacon, and we call it New Beacon because that plant that I told you about earlier that burned down, the name was Beacon. It was a factory. And so we are wanting Jesus to be the new beacon in the community that everyone looks to for their sustenance, everyone looks to for community, everyone looks to for connection, looks to for love and, and grace that is Jesus Christ. So we've named our church New Beacon for that reason. And our heart is that those who have felt not good enough, those who have felt not good enough to come to church, there's a culture of you got to get it cleaned up before you go to church in the town that we're in. You got to get it all right and then come. Otherwise, you'll be judged by the people that are in church. Sad that it's that way, but that's the prevailing church culture. So there are a lot of people who've experienced difficulties, who've experienced loss and pain that came through sin, that came from sin being done to them or sin that they've committed. And they're sitting on the outside looking in, wishing they could be a part of this family of God. They're looking for a place to belong. Those are the people we feel called to. Those that know Jesus and are looking for a home and those who've never known Jesus and are looking for a home. Those are the people we're seeking to reach. And we've talked to people over and over and over again who said, I just, I just want to belong. I just, I'm so tired of coming and people look at me like I'm funny because it's a small town. Everybody knows your history. So we want to provide that kind of space. And I want to show a video there's the cue of one of the things we got to do recently. We just started our church earlier this year, starting on small services with about 12 people. And our goal is to be out in the community, loving on the, loving on the community, sharing the love of Christ. And we do what we call holy donuts, which is we take donuts out in the community. We pick a park, we pick a neighborhood, and we set up donuts that Dunkin' Donuts has graciously donated. And we just invite people to come have donuts and coffee and sit and talk story with us. So this is just a little slideshow of some of the pictures, and there's, there's a sweet video at the end. If, I hope you'll be able to hear what the lady's singing. If not, I'll help you with that. So let's look at this. You kind of get a flavor of what we feel, of what we look like and who we are, and I'll share a little bit more about us in our final point. Let it shine in Jesus' time. Seventy-five percent of the people that came out that day were people who were not a part of our little group, people who, for whatever reason, no longer have a church home, 
or have been looking for a church home for a long time. We purposely planned that event during the church hour when everyone else would be in their home church. So the people that would be attracted to come hang out with us would be people looking for a home, looking for a church. And there were several that came and talked to us, but the lady at the end, her name is Sophia. Such a beautiful story. There's a Catholic church down the road. Sophia was brought by her friend from her memory care center to be at church with her while her friend played the organ. But Sophia did not want to be at that church that day. So she decided she was gonna go find where she wanted to do church. We didn't know all of this at the beginning. All we know is we see this sweet lady walking toward us across the park and she's very determined. She's decided she wants a donut and she wants to have a donut with us and she's not gonna go back to the church. So she shows up, she sits with us, her caregiver comes and finds out what's going on. She trusts us, a couple of us have worked with people with memory care issues and she sits with us and she's able to stay with us through their whole church service. And the more we talked to her, the more we heard her say, well, this is what I want church to be. I like being here. The reason she liked being there is because she could be herself, not to say anything negative about the church her friend went to, but she was looking for a space she could be loved and accepted. So Sophia ended up being our worship leader during that time when we gathered together. She would just start singing. She used to lead worship in church. She used to play the piano. She would start singing and people would gather around her. Now we had planned no formal worship, but she showed up. She was herself. In all of her lost memory, God used the memory that she had and she served us. And there was another woman there who had just lost her mom to Alzheimer's a year before who got to sit with Sophia and care for her and experience that healing. So there was this impromptu moment of God's people being the church. But for us, that is the vision of what we want for our community. Someone like Sophia, someone like me, someone like you that's looking for a place we can be ourselves and we can belong. So our church services don't look like the typical church services right now. We sit in a coffee shop that where I first heard God say, this is a place and this is a time in your life to plant this church. We meet in that coffee shop after they close. We sit around in a circle and we share God's word. And what is God doing in us? What new thing is he doing in each of us? And this brings us to our uh, second point, Karen, if you could bring that up. What new thing? My life is made new and the lives of others impacted. When I live my life connected with the Father, in communion with his people, contending to live out his love in this world. Isn't that what we all want to be about? Isn't that what every church wants to be about? We just have our different personalities, our different cultures. I want to live my life connected with the Father, in communion with his people. It's so easy to isolate this, these days because we got used to isolating during COVID and it was necessary to do that. It's easy to isolate and not connect, not be in communion with God's people. And we do it in different ways, but we want to stay connected with God's people. And then, why do we do that? Why do we come together on Sundays? Why do we get together here at Wellspring? Why do we get together at New Beacon, at any other church? To be connected with God for sure, and to be in communion with each other. But it's so that we can go back out and contend to live out the love of God in this world. Contend to live into the new thing he's created you to be. Contend to live into the calling that he has for your life, at your workplace, at your school, at home, in the grocery store. Contend to live out his love. We get to be a part of the Father running to the rest of the world. We go out to contend for that, to contend to live out his love in this world. So hold that in your heart and in your mind. What is God calling you to contend for? 
and the world. And we want to invite you to be a part of what's going on in North Carolina because I truly feel like the love of Christ that flows through Wellspring and flowed through Wellspring all the years that I was here overflows into the community of Swannanoa in North Carolina where we're planting this church called New Beacon. So whether you know me, you know us or not, we're all a part of the family of God. And your love that was poured through me is pouring into the hearts of these people. And your love is extending across the ocean and across the mainland to this small little town. Thank you for loving well. Thank you for contending. Thank you for being in communion with each other. And thank you for being connected with God so that you can make a difference in lives here and across the world. So we want to invite you to be a part of praying with us and praying for us about God's vision and his movement in Swannanoa. We still don't, we're still looking toward, we, we need everything. We're, we're baby, baby, baby church. We need chairs. We need space. We need, we need it all. And we know that God's going to provide because our God is a generous God. But we want to do our part and invite others to be a part of his provision. So we're praying for us, providing financially. If that's something you, you'd like to do and support ministries, there's a way we can help you do that. We've got a URL code that we use. We're trying to be all caught up with the times. We have forms that you can fill out. I don't know if they were in your bulletin or not. We want you to be, in thought, be a part of the work that God is doing so that other people like Sophia can come and be real. People like Lisa, whose mom died a few weeks ago and has been through a difficult life with a lot of broken relationships, can come and be herself. People like my mom, who never thought a woman could speak up in church, can come and share what's on her heart for the first time ever. You make an impact in your prayers and in whatever way you support our ministry, the ministry of Wellspring and ministries across the world. So as we're thinking about ways that we want to support God and, and be a part of his vision, I want to bring us back to what is he doing in our hearts today? What new thing did God lay on your heart today? Where have you experienced distortion? Where have you experienced brokenness? Where have you experienced temptation? Where have you experienced less of what you know God to be and it's distorted your view of him and of yourself? Maybe there's, it's contorted. Someone's hurt you deeply. Someone's mistreated you. Someone's hurt you. This world's hurt you. And your, your view is contorted. God wants to bring it all back into proportion so that you are one with him, holding his hand with an easy yoke going through this world. I'd like to invite you to join me as we say, spend some time in prayer. And we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer before we close our eyes. But when we pray through this together, remember who we're praying to. Our Father, the God of the universe, the one who created each and every one of us, everything in this world, has the power to do whatever he wants to do. He is the one we're praying to. Not just this imagined benevolent person, but the God of the universe. And he's our Father. All of us. So when we pray and the church down the street prays and the lady that can't go to church down the street prays, we're all praying together. That's a lot of power when we pray like that. So it's not just our little prayers in our little circle, but there's a lot that God does when we come together to pray. So let's pull up the Lord's Prayer. I've got you all over the place, Karen. I think that's back at the beginning. And I, I want to put it up here because we each say it a little differently, yeah, depending on where we went to church. So we'll go with this one. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts and also and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, if you just, if you want to stand, if that's what you'd like to do, or stay in your seat at home, however this feels comfortable for you, if you just hold your hands out in front of you, and we bow our, you can bow your heads if you want, close your eyes, whatever's most helpful. And let's pray. God, we come to you today, our Father who art in heaven, our Father who runs to us, our Father who loves us with a love that cannot be explained, a love that you lavish upon us, a love that looked at us when you created us and said, you are good, it is good. And then when things got off kilter, you sent Jesus so that it could be good again, and not just good again, but better and new. God, we pray to you, we talk to you, we invite you into this moment. God, help us see what you see in our hearts. Help us see ourselves the way you see us, with a smile on your face, running with your arms open wide, welcoming us home, no matter where we've been confused, where our view of you has gotten distorted, where we need a new vision of you, where we need a new understanding of you. God, we ask that you would shape the lens of our heart and if need be remove the lens and replace it if it's just so scratched and so messed up like a cataract on our heart god would you remove that that we would see you clearly and our arms would be open to you our hearts would be open to you that we would receive your healing that we would receive your grace that we would receive your forgiveness that we would receive what it is that we need in this moment to move forward so that we can be your contenders in this world. We can be the ones with a story to tell, a story that to tell that will let others know of this great love that you have for us. And we can say it's all because of Jesus. And then you will help us love others better. God, we're gonna just be quiet for just a few seconds to let you bring into vision what it is you're drawing our attention to today. And we offer this up to you, inviting you to remove what needs to be removed and place the gift of your love in our hands and our heart to replace the brokenness, the misunderstanding, the woundedness, the fear, the anxiety, the sadness that we just can't seem to shake. And we know, God, that you don't do this overnight. Sometimes you do, but it's a process with you. So, God, we welcome you, and we step into this process with you to be renewed, to be restored, to have our sight renewed so that we can fully receive the love of the Father and the love of the Son and the love of the Holy Spirit and be empowered to go out in this world and make a difference and see our world changed with the love of Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus. We look forward to all that you will do in our lives individually, corporately, and across the world. And it is in your matchless name that we pray. Amen.